Thank you for tuning into White Centipede Noise Podcast. Please hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. This podcast is made possible by viewer and listener support. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash white centipede noise. White Centipede Noise is a label and mail order based in Germany, releasing top quality noise on tape, CD, and vinyl. White Centipede Noise is also the premier EU-based distributor of international noise. Visit whitecentipedenoise.com to see available label releases and weekly distro updates. Centipede Noise Podcast. My name is Oscar Brummel. Today my guests are the two guys at the heart of the New York City noise scene. Two guys have been doing it for a long, long time. Uh, and they're celebrating now their fifth year anniversary of their fantastic shop in Brooklyn. Please welcome Matt Betke and Justin Lakes of Dead Gods, Shredded Nerve, Scant, Small mercies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How you guys doing? Good. We're doing all right. Did I say your name right, Matt? Yeah, you did actually. Um, I actually had a little moment where I was like, "Wow, that's a <laughs> correct." <laughs> it's Germanish, right? It's German, right? Uh, kind of? Yes, of course. Yes, yes. So you you get it. Yes. <laughs> I know how they do the OE thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like an Ellis Island rewrite. Like, it's like my name should be like Bootka or something like that. I think that's yeah. the proper pronunciation. And then it's like my great grandfather, whenever he came over, they were like, looked at it and they were like, fuck now. They're like, we're changing it. You know? So now they hit us with this weird double vowel thing. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it, it, it was probably umlauts. It was probably O with two dots. Yeah, I saw it. I, like, saw it once. I, like, my dad showed me some, like, weird crest that, like, loosely related to his family line. And, like, he was, like, I don't know. It was, like, kind of anticlimactic. It was a weird moment, but I remember the smelling of it, so. It's always anticlimactic when people show you, like, the family tree stuff. Yeah. It's like, I was, like, hey, cool. Were they from New Zealand? <laughs> Coming March 12th in Leiden, Netherlands, Charnel Ground presents Crude Transmissions, Festival of Noise and Heavy Electronics, featuring Wince, Coma Cluster, Misere, Knifed Out Existence, Vincent Dallas, Moosehead, Uitgeschackled, O Reitel Reitel, Death Mask, and Hernedode. Also screening Tights Worship, Inside of the Practices of the Rita a film by Sam McKinley. There will be a large White Centipede Noise merch table, as well as from Records and Things and The Tide of the End. March 12th at Resistor in Leiden. Four o'clock, eight euros entry. Um, cool. Well, so we're going to talk about your shop, Dead Gods. You guys are celebrating five years. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to get into that in a minute. But before we go there, I want to talk a little bit about you guys' background. Um and also your, you know, music projects. Mm. Um, Justin, I've known you for quite a while, like probably 10 or so years. I think we um, in 2008 or nine Milwaukee Noise Fest. Must be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And Matt, I don't know if I haven't known you as long, I guess, but um, you've been also you've also been around for a while, and uh, what probably brought you guys like two thousand. 2011 or 2010? Either 2011 or 10. Whenever you would have come to Buffalo when I was living there before the fest. Yeah. So, Justin, you you first maybe. Can you break down, like, your whole, like, just a little, just briefly, like, your kind of location history? Because, you know, I knew you were, I knew you were, like, living in, in, in Ohio. I think when I first met you. You were involved in Buffalo for a while, like doing Buffalo uh, festivals. I really don't know what that whole progression is or where you're originally from or how, and then how you ended up in New York. Um, yeah, so I was born in Cincinnati. I moved to Wisconsin when I was a like first grader, did a lot of my school there. Then around middle school, moved to Ann Arbor, then moved back to Wisconsin, and then moved to Ohio, like right out of high school. And got into noise like right as I was entering Ohio that second time when I was about 18 or 19. Okay. And Buffalo would have been 2011 and 12, like the tail end of one year and beginning of the other. I lived there while I was uh, kind of in a band with some guys up there. How do you end up in Buffalo? Because that's, I guess, not a totally common place to. Sure, yeah. Um, I know the guys like from water torture and pacing matt and moses mm. uh i had come out there a couple of times to play and each time spent a little more time than the last time and we just really hit it off and i didn't really have any sort of commitments in ohio at the time and so i just decided to pack up and try it out in buffalo for a while and you were doing a noise project maybe multiple but the one the main one that i'm aware of you were doing a noise project called pus trainer during that time yeah that's great and, um, you know, I figured that was kind of over, but I also noticed you did a Pus Trainer tape fairly recently on Dead Gods. Yeah, in like 2018, I, mean, I think that was. Yeah, I mean, not so recently, but like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I was really happy to see just that you hadn't, you know, like severed this part of your past, that you were still kind of embracing it. Is that something you're still working with? occasionally not so much but I, I i go back and forth with my how i feel about all the recordings as plus trainer and so i don't know i try to not uh i try to still just lean into it as much as i can it's sometimes a little embarrassing think about like first time doing anything but yeah that tape was kind of mostly just trying to sort of celebrate the stupidity of it <laughs> um at, at, at what point did you did you start doing shredded nerve and how did that differ really i mean it is very different that's uh, that's obvious but how does that differ in your mind like what was your what was your goal in in that transition uh well i guess part of it was that with post trainer there just wasn't that much consistency from release to release and then towards the middle of like 2013 or something like that i started getting really interested in like four track loops through these guys that i was living with in buffalo who had all this equipment just like mutually in the living room that we were all kind of borrowing each other's stuff got really into loops and then yeah it started to make more consistent output like at home and just you know between themes and equipment it seemed like it was time to do something new with shredded nerve there is a strong performative element that i've you know i i think i saw one of your earliest performances made at milwaukee noise fest i don't know if it was you know 
think you've been doing it for a while, maybe, but, but, but oftentimes when I've seen you, you incorporate a lot of physical acts that are, you know, not only performative, but also a part of the sound. Yeah. You've used water, like your voice. Um, you know, you, you came to Cologne and played in Germany and you were using, uh, amplified drawing, um, tape around your mouth. Where does where did this idea come from to 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 use these sort of physical performative elements in creating the sound? Uh, well, I guess I guess most of the sounds that I use on the recordings are just things that are around the house, and then certain things get a little more obsessive and refined as I'm doing it, and then some of those end up being like a little more visually interesting, and I'll try to kind of latch onto those for performances just so that there's you know a reason for it to be a performance over a recording. But sure. going to like the Cologne show and all those Europe shows, that was kind of mostly out of like necessity of not trying to bring too much stuff. Right. I, mean, I couldn't, most of my stuff doesn't really fit very well in travel size cases. And so it was just kind of a fun challenge to bring a small kind of travel rig. So you're using like on the recordings, you're using a lot of these techniques at home. Yeah, definitely. I'm using a lot of stuff that's just sitting around. And with, with something like, you know, amplified drawing, you know, that has also very symbolic, or, that's a symbolic image as well. Do your sources and the way you kind of choose these sort of sounds, um, are they attached to the, the symbol of the, or the meaning of the code of the, of the object, or is it just kind of more of like what sounds cool and what's available? I'd say it's more symbolic than even what it sounds like. It's a lot of times it's like something that I found out a job that I'm working at or something that's kind of driving me crazy. Uh, and usually if it's like a good marriage of both having personal meaning and being uh, uh, like physically sounding good, that's when I get really uh, excited about something the most. But yeah, all those end up on the recordings. That's interesting because I, 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 I notice a lot of your sounds are, um, they're not foreign, but somehow there's some, sometimes they're kind of like, unconventional in their mix like you know um i notice a lot of your your recordings are pretty heavy on like the mid-range yeah. scraping um and kind of avoiding you know a lot of low-end heavy heaviness and in my mind low-end heaviness is oftentimes a e easy way to kind of give it some like crowd appeal or something like that like 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 low end is always satisfying you know but like yeah mid-range and high-end stuff can be much more challenging and difficult, you know, and, and, and uncomfortable. I, I think it's like a mixture of the sounds that I find interesting and trying to use the frequency spectrum. Like, I'll try to have low-end in the recording be, like, kind of the crescendo of a piece. I don't want mm -hmm. it to necessarily go throughout. I want it to be impactful when it happens. So it's kind of this mixture of trying to use it to accent things and also... Uh, the sounds I find interesting just kind of happen to mostly fall in that like mid mid high range. What's your approach to to composition, just in a general sense? What can you tell me about how you how you approach these these pieces? Uh, I mean, it differs a lot from piece to piece, and it's all kind of guided by what's happening in my life. But I would say that generally, I go off of what I'm interested in listening wise at the time, and I think mostly I'm interested in long form narrative things that are not necessarily like straight up noise much more than i listen to just straightforward harsh noise 
it's not that I don't like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I just, A, I don't have as much of a voice for that. And B, I just, I think that a lot of people doing it really well. I, I'm really interested in like artists like Work Death and people that are kind of following this similar uh, narrative arc with their recordings. You just mentioned an artist, and I've, I've kind of noticed in some way, I get the sense that you, you do wear your influences kind of on your sleeve in some way. Like you, when I saw you in Cologne, you you had like a, an electric wizard shirt like hanging on your gear. Yeah. I think it seemed like intentional, you know, like, and like I think you have a Dillaway tattoo, if I'm not mistaken. Period. Oh, Period, yes. okay. Who has a Dillaway? Who has a Dillaway tattoo? I'm not sure. Someone has a... Um, What's that red album cover with that red CD with the the just oh, like chain shot? Yeah, someone has a chain shot tattoo. I thought it was you. Pretty good tattoo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm mistaken, but but anyway, um, so so you know, I is that accurate that yeah. you you know you are, are are actively and you know kind of like consciously not like I don't ever say copying or but like sort of referencing and like bringing in other artists that you. Uh, are inspired by yeah absolutely i i, I the electric wizard thing I, I i've had like a long tour with matt where i had a like typo negative similar situation like sweatshirt hanging off of my stuff kind of a to like keep myself from falling off the edge of the keyboard stand and b just because it's like my favorite band of all time and <laughs> i'm proud of it what are some other bands that are you know that you would list as your kind of in influences maybe outside of the noise yeah, I mean, well, it's mostly, like... Or, or within, or within. A lot of noise, but more, like, things that fall into the, like, goth category or, like, things that are in the black metal realm, like Life Lover, really, really big for me, Typo Negative, Sisters of Mercy, just, like, all of those kinds of things, I would say, especially in terms, of like, thematics and what I'm thinking about trying to go into making a piece, like, that's where my head is at for the most part. But yeah, also, you know, a lot of noise and uh, experimental that works its way in, too, just because that's a huge part of my life. And, and when it comes to, you know, you mentioned, like, you're kind of, an, you're, you're motivated by what's going on in your life at the time, and a lot of your titles and things have very emotionally charged, you know, content or imagery. Um, is that usually, like, a direct reference to your personal life or is it sometimes like a, an observational thing as a third party it's mostly directly in my life even if it's not like a direct reference or you know an obscured reference but yeah i mostly try to just convey what's going on in my life and what i have experienced mm. what about your some of your other projects i mean laps for example in terms of like the theme well, tell me what Laps is about. Tell me what Laps is versus Shredded Nerve, for example. So Laps is um, all one sound source. It's all like wire and wire on metal. And it's mm. definitely more trying to stay in the harsh lane and kind of keep some of the sounds separate. I, I had found myself really falling into these same sounds when trying to record for Shredded Nerve, and it just didn't really make a lot of sense at the time. And I tried mm. to just separate the two entirely and focus on that for laps but yeah laps thematically is not quite as uh influenced by personal life or uh those same influences of like goth and black metal with with the goth and black metal um references and and you know kind of text um 
don't take this wrong, but is it ever like tongue in cheek for you a little bit? Kind of like, like album, like, like, like titles or track titles or imagery, you know, like, no, because, because of the connection to like the, my life and what it means to me, it's not really, I can understand how to others it could be. And that's fine. I, I know that going into it, but yeah, it's all pretty like heartfelt and uh, things that resonate pretty deeply. Cool. This episode of White Centipede Noise podcast is brought to you by Flag Day Recordings. Flag Day Recordings is a tape and CD-based label out of Pennsylvania, focused on promoting harsh noise, avant-garde, music concrete, electroacoustic, and ambient artists. Upcoming artists to look forward to are Ted Burns, Francisco Marino and Bob Bellaru, Dave Phillips, Spore Spawn, Final Machine, Our Wrongs, and Neural. Visit flagdayrecordings.bigcartel.com. Matt, mm-hmm. um, you are known for your products scant. Mm-hmm. Are there other projects, solo projects of yours that um, people might not be aware of that you're also heavily involved in? Um, not solo. Uh, scant really has always been uh, the solo thing that I've done. Um, I played music with a lot of people. So what ended up happening was I had this project, Sex Complex, for years. That was me and um, this uh, person, Lindsay Chapman, who is uh, uh, from Virginia, where I'm from, and a lot of our friends. Uh, me and her were the core of it, but um, like, well, basically, like there were so many iterations of the band that all involved anyone that we hung out with at the time, and um, that was really uh, rewarding. But um, I basically. I kept on trying to like, I'd say like control aspects of like the output because it was like primarily my thing, but I was like doing it with my friends and like over time, it's like I was in charge of all the editing. I'd come up with titles for things. Like people would talk to me about things and things like that. And I wanted to keep doing that, but I realized that that was like kind of an inefficient uh, way to channel the level of like obsessive control I wanted over sound. And after doing that for about like two years, I realized that like there just had to be a just me thing. And I kind of just, that's what I've done since then. Um, I did something at the end of 2011 and, um, yeah, I've just, uh, it's, it's pretty much just been scanned in terms of solo stuff. I, for a little period of time recorded music under my own name, um i did like one tape uh at the end of college uh, it was like all like uh synth stuff but um it just sounded like a scant tape that wasn't called scant so like i don't know the scant just uh it, it for is essentially a euphemism for for me so and you mentioned being from virginia so before we get a little deeper into, into scant um what's your background and how did you, how did you how did you guys meet first of all um i met because shane church hostage pageant um was involved in this kind of uh, anonymous uh, black metal noise collective thing that uh, me and some of my uh, my friend from high school and other friends back from Fairfax, Virginia, which is outside of D.C. It's about um, 30 minutes outside of D.C., so the D.C. metro area for, uh, you know, it's uh, simpler, but all the shows happened in Fairfax because we had a show house there. So it really, I, it's its own thing. It's uh, it's Fairfax had a scene once upon a time. It even predates my involvement in it. But um, I was at Shane Church's house, which is down in Southern Virginia. 
And um, he literally told me that I should meet Justin. Like, he literally was just like, you met that Puss Trainer kid yet? He's like, the two of you would just get along or something like that. And he actually suggested that I reach out to Justin on MySpace. This didn't end up happening, but he said, I reach out to Justin and try and book him in Fairfax, said that I probably could get Puss Trainer set for just an eighth of weed. So that sounded all right to me, um, but uh, that that didn't end up actually happening. Instead, I met him at a Summer's Come One. Is that where we met for the first time? Did we meet before then? I think you and Angel and Cincinnati C maybe came through Buffalo before that. Yeah, I can't remember when that was begin- before or after, but yeah, we definitely met in Buffalo. So, so Justin, you were already doing the Summer's Come thing. It's on, it either was... Re- about six months before or after, and I can't remember. I For some reason, I think that I met Matt probably about six months before we did the first Summer's Come, because I think, that was, I, I think that was the second time I met. Yeah, it doesn't sound right that Summer's Come would have been the first time we met. Yeah. I felt like I was like, excited to hang with the crew at Summer's yeah, Come. Yeah, I think that when you all like sat at our house, that was like the first time we ever had like, gotten to know each other. Yeah, uh, me and my friend uh, Angel, who uh, she runs uh, Rainbow Bridge Recordings, she was essentially like, my first uh, real friend in noise. Me and her um, did uh, like everything uh, together um, when I was first getting into it. She uh, was already into it. Um, I met her because we were in bands that went on tour together because we were in like tangentially related to noise bands. You remember that like mid late 2000s style where like they were definitively bands they kind of had something to do with noise noise could be on the well but truly not noise not even part of noise, part of the world of bands so we were into those that like kind of had these like screamo-ish post-rock overtones but kind of had noise or whatever and because we had gone on this tour it was a short tour because we had gone on it together i started to watch her online presence that was all about noise. And I started to be like, whoa, like this is way cooler than what we are, we know each other from. And she definitely yeah. had a head start and was already into it by the time I came around to being fully into it. But hanging out at her parents' house, uh, literally, um, she, she was like, through such a short period of time, she blew my mind, showed me so much stuff. And I just, life has honestly not been the same since. So cool. That life-changing friend. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay, so when you started doing Scant, um, was that quite different from the band you were in before? Like you, you called it a band, but was it like a? a it wasn't like a rock band. No, Sex Complex was noise, and Sex Complex sounds like Scant for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. I actually am going to be. Uh, there's going to be a reissue um, of the Sex Complex material and listening back to it, it's actually kind of cool to be like, wow, so I just really had one idea, huh? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like <laughs> this was the idea, you know? And I just, you know, a little, little uh, here and there, but that's the idea, right? <laughs> that's cool, though. Um, so yeah, so, so Scant is decidedly minimal. It's mm-hmm. definitely more minimal than, I mean, then, for example, Fred Nerve, it's a totally different world, totally different approach. Absolutely. Um, what, is, what is your, what is your, you know, you call it an idea. What is your idea behind Scant? What is your philosophy? What is your driving? Um, so in the very beginning of uh, doing the Scant stuff, I had seen uh, Richard Ramirez. I had seen Black Lord Jesus, and I especially had seen The Haters, and mm. I 
couldn't um i just like i couldn't get over how much they did with so little so mm-hmm. at first i kind of took a gear related approach of like trying to be like i only use three channels like i remember one time actually sitting in justin's old apartment explaining to matt goodrich who does deceiver and was in those bands uh, water torture and pacing like that like i was like i'll never record something without uh, with uh, more than three channels or something like that um and like i really like was trying to think of it that way um i later um i basically Scant for me is like, I mentioned I was in these bands and all this stuff, like kind of like, you know, maybe like screamo, post-rock type stuff, related stuff. And Scant has really become the way for me to have like my version of essentially a band like that, like in noise. Mm -hmm. So really the like philosophy that goes behind it is that similar to Justin, I take something from my own life, like my own personal life that is like really, really consuming me. Um, I have really obsessive thoughts to um, detrimental degrees, actually. And um, I just really try and like hone in on something. And I will record uh, layer after layer, kind of like in the spirit of that. And I'll try and craft something that just like sums up uh, being consumed by whatever that thought or feeling is. And like I'll try and like document it almost as like a anchor back to reality to like find my way back home you know what i mean like i just like i leave all the breadcrumbs of like this is your life like you cared about these things so um that's like where like all the titles go in um a lot of them relate to uh, the concept of association in general just because it's like very much like a in your head type thing they're all supposed to essentially induce some type of dissociative state they're all you know they're um yeah, I'm just trying to, like, share, like, that. Like, just, like, that trapped in my own thoughts. I'm just trying to document it somewhere or else, you know, then I'm just left with it myself. So what good does that do? So, And are you in some way trying to recreate the experience that you're experiencing in that, in that state? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely want, like, if anything... Like, I don't know, like, it's like something that meant so much to me is that uh, the connection I felt to noise after I've, I've always felt really, really connected to music. It's like been my only interest basically my whole life uh, when I was in these uh, bands and stuff. Um, obviously, um, that was really uh, important to me, but um basically uh none of them were very good like that's like part of like why i got annoyed it's like like i couldn't like reference you or like show you something and it'd be like oh shit like he was the dude from that band like that isn't out there like you could like check my old band's material it's very mid it's just like it's like it's pretty good and like it might be all right to be like oh wow like i played in a little band too but it's like it's not worth showing and it's like i don't know it's just i didn't accomplish it you know what i mean but so many bands and other artists and noises i liked what uh meant so much to me is i'd listen to it and like i'd get it and then with noise i would meet people and i'd be like holy shit like i'd be like they're like me in some way or like this is like you know the thing that like bonds like punks or like metalheads together like community like i'd holy shit like 
these people that make this music have similar thoughts and like set of ethos as me, like here I am, like I found myself and I found myself like in this record, which is like, you know, the most romantic view of rock and roll, but it's happening in uh, noise. So yeah, I try and like leave a little bit of my personal experience because I mean, the one thing I want is like, if like one kid sitting like in the throes of like whatever, um, you know, uh, walls he's constructed for himself or herself or their self, um, whatever type of like obsessive, um, awful um, life they've uh, drummed themselves into, if they could like possibly hear some scan thing or interact with any type of scan artwork and be like, it's me or something like that. Like, that's like, like it meant so much to me to find those hands extended out to me that if I can just leave, leave mine out and just like literally anyone finds it or grabs it, then I've, I've accomplished my goal here because um, that's really, I just want like a meaningful contribution to the things that were meaningful to me. Yeah. And kind of jumping a bit to the store, now ran because because of what you said you know you run this space you guys run this space together mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about but um through that physical space are you able to connect have you been able to connect with certain people that have you know had some sort of experience with your music and, and talk to them on on a personal level about it or Absolutely. use that space to kind of um you know make and, and, and nourish those connections uh yeah definitely if we um if that didn't happen, we wouldn't have put up with so much of the bullshit that we put up to uh, view it there. Between COVID and also, um, not to get uh, too into it, but like we had at one point had a switch of a, a landlord, for lack of a better term, that essentially really looked like the store should have closed and we should have been out of there. And we had to deal with a lot of loopholes and jumping over a lot of obstacles. And uh, we still do. Yeah, we still do, uh, certainly to a degree. And um, if we um, if we weren't meeting people or hadn't met people throughout that process that uh, meant, um, you know, that like clearly were affected by it, we would have no will to uh, keep doing it because it's, um, yeah, I mean, especially with COVID and, um, you know, where our store is essentially outside with like the winters here in New York. Yeah. It's like, it can get a... Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it can get a little uh, less than ideal down there, but uh, yeah, gas powered, we have propane <laughs> heat. It's really wild, so it can be you know really dispiriting a lot of the time. But you know, those kind of interactions really make it worth it. This episode of White Centipede Noise podcast is brought to you by New Forces. Four new cassettes are now available from New Forces: Primitive and Raw Noise from Barstool Mountain, a new project from the man behind Altar of Flies; Sleazy and Dynamic Harsh Noise from Moosehead an unreleased 1998 recording from Canadian master Neural, and wild saxophone noise from the Norwegian duo Maranata. Visit newforces.bigcartel.com to purchase. All orders include the 12th issue of the New Forces zine for free. Stay tuned for upcoming releases from Organ of Cordy, Skin Crime, Hands 2, Testicle Hazard, Shredded Nerve, Kyle Flanagan, and much more. Happy anniversary to thousands of dead gods. Wow, so so let's then jump into the shop. Tell So... Dead Gods, um, I've been there, but describe the shop for those who don't know what it is, where it is, what it's like. 
there's a uh, there's a concept here in Brooklyn, uh, Punk Alley. It's located at 867 Broadway. It predates us by years, but we interacted with it as just uh, patrons of some of the businesses down there. So the idea is that the Bushwick Flea Market which was once a collection of storefronts built into shipping containers was eventually and slowly over time um, uh, basically rented out to comparable businesses, uh, businesses like uh, Street Fever, Ignore Rock and Roll Heroes, Better Red Than Dead, Driver World. World, of course. Um, and what, what, what am I missing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, yeah. Video Eye. Yeah, Video Eye and Rebel Rouser, which are um, all various like punk theme businesses. And sometime in the winter of 2017, uh, we became aware that one of the units, one of the small ones, was going to be open. Um, we had the idea to get in there because our friends who ran a label called Primitive Languages did a small store there for one summer that like Justin recorded in. Um, did you do, what else did you do there? You interact with Primitive Languages more than me. Um, I just went there and helped people like dub tapes and hung out mostly like, but yeah, I recorded in there with Nick once. Yeah. We just visited the alley a lot. We, I would go into Dripper World also buy like Christmas gifts for people. We were definitely like patrons of the alley and already aware of the concept and everything like that. And then, yeah, once we learned that there was a unit that was going to be available, our heads kind of started spinning and thinking about like what we could do with it. How long had you guys been in New York City living there before that came about? Well, I had been here since like Halloween of 2014. And then the uh-huh. store, so I guess about like three years I had been here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was pretty much brand new. Um, I obviously I spent a lot of time in New York with people like Justin up here. Um, I was living in Philly prior. Um, I got in a now resolved uh, argument uh, fight uh, with my dear friend Rachel. Uh, luckily, that's all you know. Good. Um, uh, shouts out Rachel if you're <laughs> watching this. Um, but. Um, I moved and I lived on Justin's floor at first, um, then very quickly was ushered into 538 Johnson, which is the uh, DIY space I live at still today. Um, But yeah, it basically was like, um, it was in that zone where it was like, damn, what's New York going to be like? And like, like, where am I going to get a job? Like I had just got it. I had just got a job. I just had somewhere to stay. And then like, boom, this concept just, you know, we were talking about booking shows together, maybe starting a label together. Like we, you know, like we had done stuff together, we had toured together, and all this, and we wanted to work on stuff together. Um, and we were like, yeah, like we were trying to come up with ideas, and then just this, just it snowballed really quickly. Yeah, this just eclipsed. Yeah. list. like this was like, wow, now that's an idea. Was it was it premeditated, or was it something that kind of just came out of opportunity? Like, oh fuck, here's a space. It was like. like- there was i would say simultaneous like subconscious awareness of the fact that the space was going to going to be open but then we were also already working on all these things like talking about booking shows a label and there was like a long we went and visited my family in ohio for christmas and it's you know like a 12-hour drive and i remember the drive there like talking about it like really loosely and then the drive back was like really like we were making a list of like 
we'll get in touch with these people, like we'll get tapes from these people. And it really kind of like coalesced really quickly. And once we knew that we were going to be able to get into the space, that's when it got pretty like. Cool. Was there a specific motivation to starting a shop versus like a venue, for example? Like, so um, for me and uh, for Justin too, I think. Um, well, I, for Justin I, too, I know we had both um, been involved in all kinds of various DIY endeavors. Like, I was part of this RVA noise collective when I lived in Richmond, Virginia, that booked a lot of shows, uh, mainly with my buddy Gary Stevens, who's been booking down there for decades honestly he lived at uh the rat ward which is uh that famous video of eugenics council blowing uh a bomb up and uh blowing a hole through the roof of an apartment um that was gary's yeah. apartment so i did stuff with him and like he was like that classic older head who like put me on to all kinds of lore and like just like made the whole thing all more real for me by like telling me stories about like i don't know like um talking to uh john for now on uh, aim and stuff like that you know and i was like wow you know like um uh and you know um we had been involved like justin and justin booked all the shows in cincinnati and um you know i played cincinnati many times justin played richmond many times and um i had been involved in this space auxiliary that was below this gallery sediment arts that gallery uh, that gary was tattooing out of and that meant a lot to the Richmond community and from that experience i realized that any type of like real establishment had so much more impact than just like a thing to make money off of or an ability to get tapes in people's hands. It's that it makes it real. Like if there's an address to uh, send mail to, mm -hmm. if there's like a place you can put in maps and you can go there, then it's like, you aren't just uh, dicking around on the internet or like talking to your little friends. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, right. there's like the, what you're doing is like, it can be real and you can make it real in various ways. So it's like, you know, um, obviously it's just a little record store and, uh, you know, uh, of course we get a lot of tapes out to people, but, um, I'd hope that the bigger impact is that like, I don't know, maybe some kids in some other ideally little shitty town, like where we come from, maybe they open their thing or maybe they uh, yeah. start booking shows under their name, or maybe they have their warehouse spot, they open up and then it's like, um, cause honestly, uh, I don't know what my life would be like if I hadn't interacted with all the various versions of that. Um, I think yeah. empty and I mean, I was like, I love noise and I love music, but before really being involved in stuff, I had a very, um, I'd say bleak existence. I, um, <laughs> I was not, uh, prior to like really finding the noise community, I, my life was, uh, I'd say, um, even at risk, uh, because of the type of mm -hmm. lifestyle that I had, you know, like I don't. Sure. not to be dramatic i don't even think that right. like this is now past the point i would have been had i not found that so yeah. and like yeah. and i think also in terms of the store specifically we both had talked so much about the impact of going to places and seeing noise releases that you could only see on the internet like in real life going into like hospital yeah. or a pop for the first time like seeing an atrax more cd in real life versus seeing a shitty youtube video I mean, it's really i don't know we both reference that all the time and how much it changed our lives so i don't know we really just wanted to do something yeah. like that with our own lives when you started this what kind of activity was going on in new york city at the time because i know like i don't know 10 plus years ago when i was 
living in Minneapolis and did a couple tours. Uh, we always went east, but New York City was always like the like the bunkest place. Like it was always like fuck. There's nothing going on in New York City. Like 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 there was red light district in in Far Rockaway that was sick, but the city itself there was really nothing going on. And now it's a totally different story from what I you know it's can observe. What was going on when you when you arrived before you guys opened the store? I, well, there's a lot more happening now in just kind of serendipitously. A lot of people have relocated here that we've known from other cities. There's been a lot of people that have like started making noise out here that we weren't aware of or that I think, you know, weren't making noise before. But yeah, in like 2017, there wasn't really a ton. There's a lot of cool music happening, but in terms of like noise, there wasn't really that much. It was kind of challenging to book shows and not have the same like four people open them and have them make any sort of mm -hmm. sense. Um, there's a few, I mean, like Rockaway has held it down forever. They've had red light out there. They've kind of always been like the oasis in the desert out here in terms of like having somewhere fun to play and people that are going to be cool to watch play. But I mean, the maps guys have been doing things. It's like a different focus. They're more right. into like power electronics and industrial, but they were kind of doing mm -hmm. things, but, that had kind of seemed to like not be as frequent. There was uh, like Margaret Chartier doing Pharmacon and a lot of stuff that was on the like really industrial power electronic side of thing, but not too much in terms of like harsh noise or any sort of, uh, you know, the subgenres that branch out from that. Do you feel like your shop has kickstarted a lot of what's what exists as a scene now? I mean, like I said, I think a lot of it is just really good circumstances in terms of people that have moved here. But I think the shop definitely helps just in terms of people having a place to get together and talk about things and get each other excited. I, I you know, I'd, I'd like to think the shop is uh, definitely, I'd say like part of a uh, multifaceted equation where it's like, we definitely are contributing to it, but um, kind of what makes New York, especially recently, well, you know, uh, recently uh, COVID notwithstanding, <laughs> but um, uh, is like that there's so many little pieces of the equation. Like there's all these people that are in all kinds of different micro scenes of noise. And a lot of them actually go to a lot of each other's shows. Just last night, we mm -hmm. saw a uh, Cuban secret boyfriend, um, those are like like we've played um, Savage Weekend, which is the fest that um, uh, Rhyme Art and Secret Boyfriend uh, books. But, um, you know, like that is like slightly a different wheelhouse than like the stuff we do. Not too different, but, you know, it's like slightly different. And like sure. there's all kinds of variations that are like slightly different, be it like people that are maybe more on like the techno side or the more free improv side or, you know, just like little different micro scenes and uh the cross support of all of these things kind of make it so that there's a big audience at a lot of these shows, which is really, really encouraging for artists to play here. Um, and yeah, it just, uh, it makes the shows much, much more viable. Like last night I saw a lot of people that I haven't seen in a long time and, uh, you know, they were all just there for the same thing, just literally to watch these. Events. So yeah. it was a great feeling. It felt great. You've spoke about this a little bit already, Ben. But what what is the what is the importance of a physical space 
in this kind of like underground scene? Like what, what role does that actually play? Um, it's definitely like the tangibility of it. Like it's like the fact that you can go there and then you can project your aspirations on it. Like I remember coming to New York and the people at uh, Heaven Street Material World stocking some of my tapes. And then when I got home, seeing their posts to say that my tapes were in the store. And that like just was like, oh, wow, like my tapes are in a record store. And it's like, truthfully, it's like, what are we talking about? They took three copies of the tape. Uh, I know for a fact uh, that the owner took one because, uh, you know, he's always been a supporter of mine. And uh it's just that, like, um, you know, so, like, two people got to buy the tapes in the store or something like that. But, like, more so than that, I, as someone living somewhere not as cool as New York City, got to see my name on a post from a record store in New York City. And you damn well know that that sure. meant uh, that was inspiring to do things in Richmond, Virginia. All You know, so I'm like, wow, wow, like, I can sell two tapes in New York. Like, well, you know, I got, whoa, like. think <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. like having a place for people to get together and like talk about what's happening in the moment you know especially during covid there's like some of the only social interactions i've had have been people coming to the store and talking about you know all the cds that came out in 2020 or like whatever handle yeah. is going on and it's just you know it makes it makes it real because you can sit there and like talk to people and pick things up and it's it's you know, cool. yeah on a daily basis like are there people coming through? I mean, I know you guys aren't open every single day, but you're up on the weekends, yeah, right? On the weekends, yeah. Say on a Saturday, how many people are coming through the shop? Like, is it is it is it a is it a busy full day every time, or is it just you know maybe a couple of the regulars? It's different, but, you know. It's it's really circumstantial. It's like as he said before, we're like outside, so weather plays a yeah. part in it. Shows happening plays a part in it, but yeah, it's it's sometimes you think there's going to be no one coming in and it ends up being like a really busy day. Some days it's just your friends and some days it's like no one. Yeah. Yeah. Some people it's like, uh, it's also really surprising because sometimes you think that people just wander in and then you're like, don't want to disappoint them where you're like, Oh no, this isn't a record store. It's actually very bizarre. There's this whole concept where people record this music that's mostly unlistenable and then they sell it and they put this art to it. And it's like, you don't want to explain that to anyone, but sometimes it's cool that people come in and I think that they're there by accident and they're there hella intentionally. Um, example, yeah. I tried to explain to uh, Pierre Mark that we didn't sell metal there and he turned around and he was yeah. like, is this not Thousands of Dead Gods? Like, you know, like, and he was totally there just like so intentionally because he was playing a show in town. But I, you know, sized him up wrong and was like, oh, this guy probably thinks we sell black metal here. But it's like, nope, he knew exactly where he was. He was there to buy stuff from me and, uh, you know, patronize my business. And here I was being like, oh, uh, like nervous he was in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a very yeah. kind of experience for sure of like somebody that seemed that you think is lost and then they're really pointedly there <laughs> we had somebody in yeah. like last summer wearing like salmon shorts and like a polo and we were like really getting ready to tell this person like oh like we don't actually have any like rock and roll records and he's like oh break dancing ronald reagan nice <laughs> but, yeah. you know it's, it's you meet a lot of really uh wild characters doing this being just like on the street on broadway yeah i mean you guys are in a really populated area and definitely a a vibrant area do you feel do you think that your store has exposed people to noise that would otherwise you know or, or gained not just exposed them but like brought in fans that would have otherwise not had any sort of ability to learn about it or, or connect to it 
I think so. I hope so. Uh, I, I think if anything, we've at least met people who have been like mildly aware of something and helped maybe co like, you know, coax them into being like bigger fans or get more excited about things or show them things that they didn't know about, but that they would have probably found on their own eventually. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a few people that come to us for recommendations. So that, that seems to be accurate that that's happening because there's definitely a few um, people that they come in the store and they essentially want to hear what we suggest to them. So that, yeah. that, that seems to be evident that, you know, people are um, being exposed to things on the large. A lot of times when people come to the store, they do know exactly what they want yeah. though. So a lot of people sure. come, they like, they're, they're hunting for a specific item that they saw that we had yeah. and they're just beelining to the store to make sure that they buy it before someone else does. Sure. In what you talked about, Matt, about like the importance of the, you know, the connections with, with people in your music and that store, um, you know, what kind of, what kind of, social interactions are going on there i mean of course there are people going coming to buy stuff you mentioned people are somebody beelining directly for you know the stuff that they know is going to be gone right away but but i mean as far as the people that spend some time there what kind of what kind of sessions go on there um well so we definitely uh a, a, a definitely reoccurring thing is that uh some of like our core friend group definitely that's like the go-to meeting spot we meet like up with like stefan over there uh kyle flanagan's over there um you know people that like we've worked with a lot of times and are just like very obvious names like they live in new york they all release on each other's labels like clearly these people are friends with one another so it's definitely like our go-to meeting spot for stuff like that um our friends Sammy and Eric hang out all the time. Sammy that does uh, Parasite Nurse and Eric that does Stress Orphan. Um, they used yes. to live together down the street. So it's like definitely we have like a small little uh, neighborhood crew. Um, we interact with some people from Myrtle Broadway, which is the area that we're at. That's our train stop in general. Um, for example, uh, our old pot dealer, Ali Mike, is a guy who um, I don't even know if he fully understands what noise is still. Like, he maybe understands that we sell noise music, but he's definitely, this is the first time he's ever heard it in any context yeah. of his life. Um, and very unfortunately, we recently lost one of our main interactions, which was this guy, Richie, oh. who is a staple of the neighborhood, who always played uh, Van Halen and uh, Guns N' Roses and old school hip hop out of this huge speaker on the uh, corner. He and very, very unfortunately recently passed away. But yeah, a lot of times me and Justin would just be sitting there and it would be with that guy. That is, um, you know, uh, that became cool. our, he became our dear friend over the past five years. And honestly, I was uh, hoping and, you know, taking this opportunity to slip in a huge rest in peace. Yeah. Richie, we yeah. love him. We miss him. We are going to him in some way yet to be seen but uh yeah i honestly couldn't even open my mouth in any conversation with anyone today and not slip a rest in peace richie yeah, rest in, in, there, in peace, so. richie, for sure rest in peace god god bless richie damn um do things ever get hairy in there like <laughs> you ever had any like fucked up situations there i mean I so know richie has pulled guns on us ice picks and Whoa. even grenade um so that's for starters um 
Real guns? Yeah. Like, yes, these are all real things. Um, there is no exaggeration here. We recently had a guy come in, uh, try to convince us to turn the store into an NFT and then started smoking crack openly. Um, okay. Yeah, we get into some really weird scenarios over there for sure. Openly but discreetly. It was actually possibly the smoothest uh, inclusion of casual crack I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, this man had his shit loaded and he just rocked like the smallest little, he blasted so fast and uh, he blew it out the open door and I kind of almost uh, didn't believe it had really happened, but I, it happened, uh, you know, I saw the torch, I saw the, uh, you know, I saw the, the rose stem, uh, it was kind of broken, like a, you know, like one should be, um, so, yeah, and it's, uh, he did that, and he just kept on with conversation, and, uh, was stuck in this really weird moment where I was like, my instincts were like, say something, but then I was like, is it, is it not okay to smoke crack and blood gods? Like, I was like, it's, um... I, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, especially for some of the younger people that come in the store, I'm not encouraging it, but truly it's, um, I wouldn't say it's a no. You're not it's a cop. Yeah, it's not a no. Um, <laughs> it's not, not a yes either, yeah. but, um, it's not a no. I mean, it's not, not my no to say, so. Yeah, he bought Magra Amper <laughs> Grind from us. Yeah, well, shit. <laughs> Was he like, okay, so he was he like a noise head or was he just a dude smoking crack who just happened to buy this? Art guy. art guy smokes crack. We got him on the back. Loved it, actually. He had, okay. he had insightful things to say about listening to it though, in, a, in, a, in a subsequent interaction. He really listened liked it. So, okay. as okay, a, you know, cool. not to stereotype the band, but mm, complimentary listening material for those activities. Uh, evidence says yes. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned COVID being like a really big hurdle for the, for the shop. What, what was that? What, what have these past few years been like dealing with that? I mean, it's been like different phases. We've had, we like probably five days before the first lockdown, we had the Richard Ramirez, uh, Black Leather Jesus Vomir Rita show here. And that was like probably right. our all time like best attended show. Had a lot of plans uh, going into that year that all just kind of, you know, everybody's plans just immediately got shut down. And then we were closed for like three months and then we reopened for a couple months and then we closed again and then we reopened and then closed again. And it's, we're just kind of navigating it based on like cases and all the different twists but yeah it's been it's been challenging to know what the right move is in a lot of different situations trying to keep yeah. things moving are you guys able to make it like self-sustaining at least in terms of like paying the rent yeah. and yeah, people's okay, cool. support has been great um thank you for yeah. anyone that uh shops with us that's listening to this uh Y'all have definitely kept it afloat. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, it's 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 meant something for sure. Uh, people don't want to let us, you know, people don't want to see us go away. So, and they, uh, they, yeah. they, they've acted in accordance to that. So we appreciate it for sure. Yeah. Outside of, you know, COVID exceptions, what is your ratio of like sales online versus sales in the shop roughly? Mm, so uh it's it's definitely important to note that all record stores are gonna fall into uh this but 
mail order is a little more uh, significant than in-store sales. Um, people that come in the store usually spend more per purchase because they've made an occasion of coming to the store. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we, we're doing a healthy amount of online business just like anyone else is. And uh, that's uh, that's pretty helpful because you know, there's more names that can actually get to the store. So, I mean, I knew I was excited when I received something like from hospital per se to like my parents' house. And like, it just even had that label on it. Like I'd be yeah. like, mm, like, you know, like it was almost good as yeah. uh, going there. And I never even actually got to step foot in there. I went there towards the very end of it. And uh, Richard Dunn, FFH was working that day, doing some stuff in the stock room, came out, told me the store wasn't open, but that I could buy white eye winter watching. I had so much cash in my pocket. I was like a kid from the suburbs and I was yeah. like so ready to just blow all the stupid money I made working at Wegmans or wherever the fuck I worked at the time on hospital productions. And I was like, why not I have winter watching comp? Great comp, of course. But it's like, you know, I didn't, I had just seen an Enzavalia the night before, like noise, proud chunks was so fucking real to me in this moment. Then I show up to the store and I got FFH hit me with nah. So, you know, what a, uh, had I not been able to order mail order, you know, hospital would have been a wash for me. And uh, seeing as how uh, me and Justin actually have matching period tattoos, that uh, part was a little clogged earlier. Oh. Uh, clearly, um, you know, that uh, that man's work has meant a lot to me. So if I hadn't been able to order it in yeah, the mail, sure. would it have meant so much? Uh, it certainly meant a fucking lot, I'll tell you that. <laughs> we have really cool – we have, like well, – really loyal recurring customers from all over too and that's like another thing is like we've gotten into some of these relationships with people where i feel like i know them and we've never actually met in person but just based on knowing someone's personal taste from you know the other side of the world i I don't know it's it's really cool we get a lot of support from everyone all yeah for sure and i mean you can you can well know that you guys are the hospital production store of this era Hospital was legendary for people who went there during that time. I was there once or twice, I think, in the basement. It was so memorable. I mean, I'll never forget going in that place. It's like part of the magic, you know? Yeah, and you guys are carrying that torch. For real. Um, you mentioned the, 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 the struggles it's had and the importance of these spaces. Um, what do you think would happen to the scene at large if spaces like yours cease to exist? Or, for example, one, say exam, for example, you guys close down. What do you think? What kind of effect would that have on a wider scale? Um, it just it, it wouldn't like like obviously we'll close eventually, but um, the question that you're asking, I just don't believe will ever happen. Um, some kids are going to pick up a version of this. Um, and they're going to like, like young people are going to recreate this scenario over and over and over and over again. And even if it seems like there's times, especially if you pay too close attention to the discourse of older people that try and make it like, Oh, things are changing or things are getting worse. Like that isn't the reality at all. Things are actually always changing and always getting better. And even if it's not by your standards, it's by their standards. So if a group of kids get together and decide what their definition of noise is, they're probably right. I still have mine, but like theirs will grow stronger and get better. And like, that's just what's going to happen infinitely. And even if they want to change the definition of what noise is, they'll be right if they're together and doing it and they're going to create some version of it. Right on. 
in this modern era with the reach of social media and, you know, spots like yours in big cities like New York, um, do you see noise having the potential to grow beyond kind of this, there's this kind of rigid mentality that, you know, tapes are limited to 100, CDs are limited to 300, you know, maybe 500, maybe, you know, like there's this kind of set amount of people in some of our minds, I think, that are interested and are potentially interested in noise. But do you think that, I mean, this is something I've been thinking about lately because, you know, I, I've always kind of shit on social media, like, oh, this is so terrible, blah, blah, blah. But someone also, also brought up the fact that it actually has the potential to reach people, way, way more people that could very, very well have a strong resonance with noise music and noise culture and et cetera, that just had never would have had the chance before. And I think that's happening already. I mean, I, I, it'd be hard to know the started to know numbers and, you know, there's micro scenes, but, but do you think, do you think there's possibility through these things to, you know, expand, even redefine, like you, you were talking about, you know, young kids, the new generation taking on their definition of what noise is. Do you think that's happening? Yeah, <laughs> it's happening for sure. Um, I think of sometimes events of the past, like the mid 2000s, like glory era of noise, like post wolf eyes boom or however you want to classify it, like where noise was slightly viable in like the indie underground for a hot second. And I think about like legendary shows that I think of and um, I'm only kind of now really wrapping my head around the concept that I've probably been to played or even possibly thrown shows that were as attended or you know as uh, as big as those shows like in my mind like it's like i'm always like the little kid like just like i wish i did this i wish i was there i wish i saw incapacitance but like there's probably some kid that wishes they saw the rita in my fucking kitchen so you know i don't i don't know what that mindset is because it's not like the people that went to no fun knew that i was sitting in my parents house wishing i saw incapacitance you know what i mean so i don't i don't know what's out there i just see little evidence of it cropping up and every time it's like oh wow and like sometimes something crops up and i'm just like oh damn yeah. like you know <laughs> i think it's exciting i think it's worth pushing i think you know this mentality of you know for the select few I think even in my own my own head I need to you know delete that. Yeah, I mean it's, it's it seems like it's happening too, you know. People are we're meeting new right. people like all the time and they're getting younger and younger and they have all very different definitions of like what noise means to them or what how they got into it. It's it's, it's cool to see. Definitely. So you guys also run a label out out of the shop. Um, how do you guys split up like workload and responsibilities with that? Who, who, who does what there? What's, how does that process work? Cause I, I'm always curious about how people run a label with two people. Cause that's always had the, in my opinion, the potential to be really fruitful and, and, and helpful, but also have difficulties, you know, just anytime you're doing something like that with another person, there's, there's things to, to work out. How do you guys do that? Well, I mean, we end up having to both agree on everything to proceed, I think is probably like the main component. I don't know if you. Yeah. Um, 
Justin has a lot to say here. I'll just uh, say real quick. Um, uh, I'm not a uh, visual artist, really, per se, and uh, Justin is. So a lot of times I feel like what you're talking about with, like, the two heads budding or whatever, that would maybe happen more if I had like it's like we kind of like have like a split in our personalities that is very complementary towards working together where there's certain things that either of us either care to do or are like excel at doing that the other one either doesn't care so much about doing or like you know it's it, it truly both of us uh are are very good at both sides of the equation because we've done it for five years now and we've uh we've really we we uh we have a whole practice uh we uh we have a whole mm-hmm. system of how we do things we're actually going to be getting to work on some things immediately after this. We have a place we get tapes at. We have, like, Justin's house to work at. But uh, Justin uh, does the lion's share of the tape label process because the artwork being obviously such a focal point of what we have to do, that's all Justin. And, um, you know, uh, that's uh, – you know, I, I'm also I'm happy for it to be all Justin because he's, uh, you know, he's he's as everyone knows, he's uh, got a lot of ideas in that regard uh, between mm-hmm. Dead Gods and also the Small Mercies disc that he whips up as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's definitely a yeah Justin yeah. question. Okay. In terms of like the tape label, I would say we like at least in terms of what we put out, it's very much like a conversation between both of us always of like what we like. We always have to both be excited about doing it. We both have to, like, like I might think some artwork is great, but if Matt thinks it's stupid, like, we're not going to do it, you know? So having the, like, checks and balance of, you know, we have a really singular, like, end objective. And so, like, I don't know, sometimes that can be a little blinding and it's, like, helpful to have another person around to, you know, mm-hmm. give you some perspective. Are you guys pretty, like, honest and critical with each other about things? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Too much. Uh, this is my best fucking friend in the world. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, that's, not, that's not an easy thing to accomplish. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. That isn't. I mean, in any, you know, in any relationship or in, in, in art, in noise music, I think that's that's hard. That That's missing sometimes, I think, is um, honest feedback from your, your friends or peers. You know, I think it's it's easier to go like yeah sick like whatever than to <laughs> no that's not easy actually <laughs> it's, not, no, it's not easier but i mean it's it's the it's the path of least resistance you know which which leads to problems i think but uh, yeah so okay cool <laughs> uh, we have no problem being really yeah. really open and honest with each other about everything <laughs> and matt you're i kind of get the sense you're more of the you're like the the businessman um, uh, I would say that when he first, uh, started out, it definitely was like a little more split in those regards, but like, you know, um, five years of doing something, you know, like, it's like, uh, you know, uh, we, 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 our skills have moved towards the middle as we've shared so much of the workload and experience. And it's like, so I went to a uh, school for uh, nonprofit marketing. Um, I used to be involved in this gallery space and I've like done like various jobs. So like, I do have that 
um, background bringing in. Um, I worked as like the sales manager of this natural foods company run by uh, incredible uh, noise artist John Mannion of the phenomenal yes. and LP fame, and also Zoe Wardlaw, who uh, plays in Zozo with uh, John currently, which is like insane IDM stuff. If anyone, uh, Google Zozo if anyone's curious either to A, what John Mannion's been up to, or B, if they just need something else besides Apex Twin, Boards of Canada, or Altegra to listen to. Um, it's insane, uh, but definitely cool. Google it. Z-O-Z-O? Yeah. Z-O-Z-O, yeah, Zozo. Cool. Um, they have music videos, they have an EP on streaming services, and um, yeah, they have a new video actually premiering... Uh, depending on when this podcast comes out, it's uh, February 22nd. So, yeah, um, Mannion's LP on Hanson, fucking phenomenal. Sorry, I just got a side to this. Yep. A masterpiece yep. work of art. Yep. Um, and, yeah, uh, so check out uh, check out Zozo, please. Um, cool. But uh, it's insane and good. Um, but, yeah, so I definitely have, like, a little more business mind in me. But, uh, yeah, we um, – You're also a better communicator. <laughs> uh, you know i like to talk maybe that's a little but uh we uh it's definitely moving the middle just because you know we've uh we've we've done this now for a second and it's uh if we weren't able to trust each other with getting the like uh jobs done then it's like you know we probably would have you know life is uh especially up here in new york and get real fucking busy like if there isn't someone that you can just like text to be like do this like i need you to do this exactly the way that we do it you know what i mean like if you don't have that a lot of times sometimes yeah. like, fuck missed opportunity but it's like i yeah. feel personally both of us are fortunate enough that it's like oh damn like something needs to get done can we both do it can one of us do it someone's gonna yeah. do it you know what i mean like it's not we're not gonna leave things undone yeah. so and we're like still refining the process of it like now like even like two weeks ago we've made different like dedications to like okay on this day this week we'll do these things on this day this week we'll do these things this is how order of operations for this week you know it, it it just it it especially with covid and you know everything changing we've just had to be really able to trust each other and be able to be really uh, frank about things and so yeah it's it's the process is always like getting a little easier and better that's great i mean that's really great to see because i know as an outsider not knowing i mean it's like sometimes i'll talk to matt sometimes i'll talk to justin and you know in my mind, I've always thought, oh, that'd be terrible if, you know, like this this label somehow tears these guys apart or something, you know, like you always think about these kind of things that they can also, you know, be very strainful on friendships and 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 people can go their separate ways because of things. But it sounds like you guys are really, you know, like peanut butter and jelly. And that's, that's what it seems like it always has been. And I'm glad I got you guys both to come on because I didn't know if you guys are sick of always being <laughs> – asked on as a group and you know having to talk as a group and being kind of put together but i think you guys are such a great team it's like it would be kind of a shame not to have you guys both able to talk about these things at the same time because you know i see you guys are just an awesome team i mean i think that we would probably be more likely to tear the label apart than the friendship you know we're <laughs> we're definitely I, sure. I, we got, you know, we've obviously gotten into all kinds of scenarios and disagreements yeah. and stuff over the years, but we always like find a way to like cool down and like meet in the middle and figure out what the best way to go forward is. And I don't know. At this point, I feel like it's made us both a lot stronger for having to go through some of the like 
hardships together and yeah at this point sure. we're pretty uh we're pretty uh awesome. yeah all the things that you mentioned has happened um you know just like, just because we're sitting here together doesn't mean that we haven't gotten into fights things have been tense friendships been strained uh arguments have happened but it's like that actually should happen in your most right. important friendships like similar to family like you know yeah. like you it's no no one just likes the people that they love you know what i mean like that right. isn't how life works you know so right. um all those things have happened um but right. we have shared goals shared values and we have loyalty to each other straight up and so because yeah. of that it's like where other people might be willing to cut and run at that moment. Um, the desire to not cut and run has forced us to go through the hard things and then been better friends because of it, you know? So, and then as each step that you get past these hard steps, you grow stronger through them. So that's just how life is. And everyone's so willing to cut and run when obstacles in life, yeah. uh, appear and like that's just why society even is the way it is like the problems right. of society are traced back to people's unwillingness to deal with the difficult parts of life so in something as simple as a friendship and a partnership between two people with shared goals and respect for each other yeah like go through the hard shit fight with each other piss each other off talk shit disagree do all of that and uh if you didn't then like what the fuck you know like yeah. You just guys just agreed. You probably held all your cards back at that point and came like yeah, exactly. as hard as you could have. Yeah. Then, then people are lying Then people aren't being honest. Mm. Cool. Well, um, big respect to all of that. Let me know then what you guys are got going on now. It's your five year anniversary of the shop. Um, you just released a batch yesterday, I believe. Um, that won't be podcast time, but uh, um, this will be coming out on Monday. Um, what's what's what are you guys doing to celebrate the five years? What are you guys doing to mark that, that milestone? Have dinner tonight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so ideally we would have thrown some big stupid show with like everyone. We were going to do something with just like some of like our, like, you know, just main reoccurring contributors, like, you know, uh, Jackson Pratt, Blind Date, like who obviously they played a huge role in the store. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, Shawnee used to help us out over there. Um, still is down to help us with anything, uh, comes by all the time. Um, Tyler was my roommate for a long time. Uh, you know, these are just like hella reoccurring people and we wanted to throw some big stupid thing. But uh, the reality is, is that so a lot of shows can happen at my space, like the warehouse I live in. And uh, we're not the only force that are in here. There's also like punk shows and techno shows and stuff like that. And um, in December, people threw a show again after a long time. It was like more of a techno, like ravish thing. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, sorry to say, but uh, a lot of people did, uh, get sick in the week after that. Wow. Um, we also had thrown a show that weekend and a lot of people had thrown shows. There was big punk shows. I work at a nightclub and there was a big show. I worked like a lot of stuff was back yeah. and, um, the, the writing on the wall was that it was too soon. So mm -hmm. things are just slowly starting to creep back right now, but we didn't, we didn't feel comfortable um, yeah. doing something just yet. We will. We, yeah. we used to love, we, you know, we skipped, we skipped last year, obviously, but yeah, we, we've loved to throw the like anniversary 
parties just because they're like such great opportunities to get our friends together and like it's yeah. great to just have fun like that um, we've had some really good ones in the past um but uh yeah we just uh it's just you know we'll we are we are going to be having live events in 2022 um it's like just about time uh there's you know the little uh, the littlest bit of more caution is necessary yeah. and maybe it's ultra necessary because maybe it proves that it isn't time to come back but uh right mental health is a component of health in itself and right. like I, I was thinking about this at the show that we were at last night and it's like sure there's the risk of um you know people getting sick from attending events together but there's absolutely the risk of being isolated from these people in these communities that mean so much to you so it's yeah. really unfair to not actually juggle those two risks because to say that one isn't at risk discounts uh you know all of uh the credit that it deserves and honestly it deserves a whole lot of fucking credit because i saw a lot of people last night at this gig that um i could tell just being there meant a whole fucking lot too so that's yeah that's important yeah for sure but we definitely have some things we want to do we have some things that are like potentially on the table that we're just trying to stay as fluid as possible about keep an open mind about the potential of them not happening we've had a couple mm -hmm. of those fall through for different reasons but you know we're just going to keep trying until you know the time is right great well congratulations on that great. um one thing I like to ask everyone that comes on here is for their top five noise releases of all time. And I know you guys are a little bit pressed for time and there's both of you guys. Um, so we're going to, I'm going to ask you guys, what are your top three noise releases of all time? <laughs> it's even harder, but I'd like to hear, um, you know, when, when, you, when it comes to your mind, what are your top three noise releases of all time? I think it's constantly changing for me, honestly. Um, I'd say the haters, just entire discography, especially like Drunk on Decay, uh, rank really, really highly. A um, lot of hospital things, period, itself ranks really highly. Um, I really work death and Jason Krumer also come to mind. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's changing a lot over time. For me personally, I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it definitely changes over time. I don't really know how to think in terms of uh, like a top three, but I mean, I, I guess I can because I just did um, think of them. But like Skin Crime, Tsunami, or um, really uh, Skin Crime, Desecration, like either of those are just, yeah. uh, you know, just perfect uh, blends of that like layered sound. Um Atrax Morgue, Exterminate, um, which, you know, arguably, I, I'm not even about to get into whether noise is death industrial or palatronics or anything like that. Just like, you know, just take the answer. Morgue, <laughs> uh, Exterminate, um, and uh, Purient and Still Wanting. Uh, cool. The record changed my fucking life when I heard it because, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I hadn't heard, like, and the music I, I listened or I have listened to my whole life absolutely shoots for that feeling and i had never heard it 
as strongly until I hit play on that one. And I was like, holy fucking shit, dude. And, you know, everyone likes to talk about like, oh, like it was good when like live at RRR, like two mics, feedback. Like I love all that shit. But like, you know, like the poetry, um, since that was a big one for me too. Yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah. That's the best era. The other shit is great for sure. The shit he's doing is incredible now. Um, but I like that. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to rank slang because once you're slanging it, like shakes you to the core. It's hard to like think about what comes after or before, but it's like, that's the one, like right. put the headphones on, like the world changes. And, uh, you yeah. know, you said three, I gotta say the new block, the new blockaders, uh, box on, uh, Tesco with a uh, feral confine jamming on that. That's yeah. uh, a yeah. B S Mort. Uh, that is, uh, absolutely fucking phenomenal. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that one I could just listen to on loop forever. Um, nocturnal missions, spirit flesh. Uh, these, uh, these are, these are good ones. So cool. The period, the Black Post Society is probably the one for me, like similar time period. Yeah. I definitely remember like, driving yeah. around, delivering pizza to that album and just like punching my steering wheel and driving around with Matt listening to it and being like, oh, you like this too? Like, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's a really like early one that stick out for me as being like a favorite that I think I ordered from some metal distro and sick. You know. Right or now, cool. you know, probably also really up there for me. Uh, Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Prairie Death Now, um, seeing them live is like they're one of the best things I've ever seen. And, um, you know, no uh, disrespect because I love this show, but one of the more chaotic things I've ever seen when we booked them here, it was uh, an experience. Uh, you know, it was uh, the experience of Brighter Death Now is yeah. a set in and of itself. Um, I did see them in Philly where they just straight ripped. And I uh, yeah. remember um, I was like uh, hanging out with Gray Holger in the basement, like right before it started and like almost like uh, didn't fully uh, go all the way up because already was so sucked into the sound from just where we were in this like weird little uh, artist room. It almost like had to like remind myself like, oh shit, I should go watch this set. But like even yeah. like, the sound of the set in the other room was already enough to be like, oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> awesome and then um you know you guys run a distro basically you run a record shop so can you tell me three things each from the last year new stuff that you've been really stoked about um really like i think we both are really excited by robert fuchs and uh, yep that, that stuff's really really great um Pretty much anything Kyle Flanagan puts his hands on. I mean, I'll, I'm going to sound uh, like a you – know, I, I, most of what I've been really excited about has been stuff from close by. Um, sure. But, yeah, those those two things. I really liked that Remorseless Greed comp last year. I thought that was a really, really uh, exciting release. Um, yeah. That last Nod album, I guess that's maybe a year and a half ago or something now. That was really, really, uh, like, such a cool singular vision with a lot of, like, risk involved in making it. And I don't know, I thought that was really, really, uh, really impressive album. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, similar, the uh, Spate neuter disc is phenomenal. That's one of the best things I had. That's the Robert Fuchs kid as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's just, uh, you know, I, I love that disc. I could play that to death. 
Um, Barn Sour is a project that I've gotten really into. Um, I bought the yeah. used collection that had the uh, tape version of the seven inch. And I had heard the project prior, but that one just like really sucked me in. And the new one on Penultimate Press is uh, incredible. And in similar, in terms of like uh, just uh, friends, uh, there's this kid, uh, Jacob Bickers from Richmond, Virginia, that does thing euthanasia recordings. It's real, real low key, but it's like some of the, like the best postmortem stuff that you could get your hands on. He's really, really slept on, I think intentionally. Uh, the entire city of Richmond is slept on in general. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, I tried to change it a little bit when I lived there, um, but you know, they gotta do it how they do it. Richmond noise scene loves to just keep these gems and like really just like, they like obsess and obsess over like uh, the best top quality, but then they don't have this like, ladder climbing clout chasing behavior that so many other cities do so what ends up happening is because that's the norm um you know people don't hear all this stuff like uh still even though he's got his music out to so many people the project coterie is um he just like uh he's just like one of the best artists in the industrial or anything that goes from the industrial tree that i've heard in my whole life actually and uh, it's still it's still just such a sleeper that i'm fortunate enough to know how good it is um Chad Davis subclinic briefly lived in Richmond, Virginia. And I feel like there's this whole effect of uh, him just like giving his like sage wisdom upon these little postmortem uh, kids. I mean, they're, 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 they're maybe not so much kids anymore. I'm remembering them in their younger version when I live there. They're, they're a little older now. But um, yeah, there's yeah. just something about um, that like postmortem death industrial sound from Richmond. Uh, Agonal mm. Breathing lives there now. And uh, yeah, like the three of them, Bickers, uh, Ficken, and Allison, they have this like weird uh just um just like weird morbid sound that uh i don't know it seems like the type of thing people would really uh glom onto and uh really uh blow up and uh there's this other real sleeper project uh xenojoths i'm maybe pronouncing it incorrectly i think i was gonna say that tape is phenomenal it's like not quite as like morbid but it's really strange and cool like one of the best things we've had Mm -hmm. in the store in the last couple years yeah how do you how do you spell it or like what is it? E N O J O T H S Z. This okay. artist Orion from down there. He is a uh, you know uh, he books a lot of shows uh, down there and does a lot for uh, Richmond. But uh, yeah, he does truly bizarre things on these tapes. Uses sounds that are just ugly in a way that like. Uh, you know, I don't want to say clownish or like carnivalish because that sounds like I'm making a joke out of it, but it's almost like antagonistically weird, and his artwork is very yeah. um, unique and singular. And uh, yeah, they're just like, this is all like a little crew, like all the names I just mentioned, they all hang out with each other. They all play shows at this place, Love Jail. And uh, yeah, they all just like have these projects together. And um, yeah, I think that this year actually, which is always the case of the Richmond, uh, there's there's apparently forthcoming material from all of these people on various labels. Um, and, you know, uh, I hope that a lot of it gets out there. And, uh, you know, I hope that, I guess, you know, it's weird to say that I hope more people hear it because I think maybe the exact amount of people that uh, are targeted are hearing it in a way, but uh, it's... No, I mean, it can't be. I think, I mean, I think it's a... Uh... 
also must be an issue of limited distribution and exposure because i think yeah but as i mentioned they're so not into the clout chasing aspect of it they're just like it's like this they don't have to be but i mean like you know some label should come along and make a well, cd they, of 300 copies that can be it's it's there's this kid down there, Ryan Ament, who put out an incredible um, tape that he shipped us copies of, and um, it was like pulling teeth to pay the kid uh, twenty dollars for uh, for what we what we owed the guy for the tapes. It was like he didn't want to take our money at all. It was yeah. like. I'm really just trying to pay you right now. And a uh, youth ninja recordings is a similar thing. Um, Jacob will just send us a big package of stuff that we'll have in the store. We'll try and square up on it. And uh, I don't know. It just doesn't <laughs> eventually we'll send them some yeah. stuff in trade or, you know, it's like you ask for the PayPal address and crickets. Like they're just like, I think the common thread between a lot of the things that we've both been really excited about, especially in the last couple of years is people that are like creating their own means of, of like identity or like, they don't need to go through some other label. Now that the way things function, they, you know, you can just give things directly and create your own voice really directly. And so I think we've been really excited about anybody that's just like, really taken a blank slate on their own thing and not relied on anyone yeah. else's uh, platform. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's, I mean, that's how it should be. But I think also at some point then like there is an importance to get this voice to a wider audience. Cause then it's, it's, you know, it's, it stays then in a, in a certain small clump. And, you know, I know people like to say, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be that way or whatever, but I don't really, I mean, I, I, I don't even necessarily agree that it should stay limited or anything like that. I just think that it's more interesting when people use the means that they have themselves to do something. Yeah. And I think that by doing it, the means that you have kind of grow and snowball themselves. So I think a lot of these artists will eventually have their voices out there and they'll have all these things yeah. that people can be like, wow, you were doing this limited to 25 tape. 10 years ago and you know it might not be instantaneous yeah. but i think that having your own voice will eventually get it maybe into more years because it's the singular more interesting thing For there's sure. this weird twofoldness to the concept of the limited ability because on one hand if you get things in as many hands as possible the chances that someone gets it that it really means uh, something to increases on the other hand on the off chance that something really limited ends up in the right hands there's a whole thing about your complicated feelings where you feel like they're unique to you and can either be validating or invalidating to learn that they're more widespread so if there's like something that you mm. connect to and like you really really hold on to it as like a unique thing and then you find like a limited to 20 tape that really speaks to it it bolsters the idea that like this is my personal struggle like whereas um i personally when i find out that my personal struggles are shared it takes a lot of burden off of me but that is only one mindset and there are many mindsets out there so i think that there's definitely something to be said about like you find something you you relate to it and you know that there aren't a lot of people out there relating to it and you're like it is okay because i'm not alone but at the same time this is these feelings are as complicated and as difficult as they feel to me i think so yeah. like things like that can be so special in the time when everything is really instantaneous and no one has to wait for anything there's barely ever mystique created around things anymore and so you know finding these things that feel 
like relics or like they're really, really hidden can still be really special. And I'm not saying that everything should be that way, but it, you know, it still has its place, I think for sure. And you know, for sure you're, you're getting something tangible again versus something that's, you know, going to live as a JPEG on a Bandcamp website. I don't know. There's just this difference, you know, and it's all about it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, um, that uh, reminded me just to not uh, be jumping questions here, but on the subject of mystique and uh, anonymity, uh, the project Lovers from here is fucking slaps. So uh, that's definitely something I'm stoked on. Um, who is that? Can you, can you say who that no. is? No. No. Dan Reed. Dan Reed. That was one of his favorites. And he was like, I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is. I think it might be Matt. There's no ways at gmail.com. That's, uh, that's how we talk to them. That's how anyone can talk to them. Um, I've, it's I've not gotten you. the tapes. I've put them in. I've hit play. That's what yeah. I like. So I've gotten a package from lovers in my, uh, like, uh, common space of my living area, mm-hmm. like, with no postage. So it was, like, clearly walked over, dropped off by hand. But, yeah, that's, that's like, what I got. We communicate through the email. Mm-hmm. Lovers is from New York, but uh, that's not that's there's not much there's very little info in the J cards. It's like really just like you get the name, you get the title, you get the sounds, and then the rest is up to you. So cool, guys. Well, that was awesome. <laughs> I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. to chat with me. Of course. I know you guys got a busy schedule and you got a lot going on, but I really appreciate it. It was fun to see your faces, and uh, best of luck to you all. And 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 dead gods, long live dead gods. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning into White Sampy Noise podcast. Head over to the Patreon for more, including private episodes of Noise on the Run, exclusive photos, video, and audio related to the show, and discounts at the White Sampy Noise mail order. Your support is extremely appreciated and vital to keep the show going. <laughs>